Friday, if it's a Friday. Uh, that's one weird thing about podcasts, is that people can listen to them anytime. So it doesn't really matter what time, I mean, what, it doesn't, it doesn't matter either. We isn't. <laughs> okay, folks, do you get what I'm trying to say? I'm trying to say that it doesn't matter what time or day in my life it is when you're listening. So I shouldn't start my podcast with happy Friday. What day is it in your life? For what it's worth, um, it's not Friday here either. <laughs> I have to record these before the release day. So I hope there's an award out there for best openings to a podcast, and I hope I win it, whatever day it is for you. How is it going? What's happening in your life? In my life, um, oh, two very exciting things happened before 8 a.m., one thing that happened was that a tree fell down. No one was hurt. Nothing was broken, thankfully. Uh, but, you know, that's a lot to take in while waiting for my coffee to brew. And the second thing that happened uh, after the tree is that our trusty dog, Captain Johnny Cash, he started barking really loudly and and like barking and barking, which he almost never does. We almost never hear him bark. And there was a coyote on our back patio. So it was really a morning about Mother Nature. You know what I mean? Like the circle of life. Speaking of the circle of life, this podcast is not so much about me catching you up on the mundane happening in my life um, or scrambling my words all about what day of the week it is, but it's really more about the exploration of DNA discoveries and the ways that they are just we are just uh, hanging out, spinning in tubes for 23andMe, our ancestry, or whatever company, and the next thing you know, uh, your entire world is upside down and inside out, and you don't know who you are anymore. Thanks to modern technology, people are discovering all sorts of surprises about who they are and who their parents are or are not, as the case may be. It's as wild as a coyote on my patio. And I'm here to talk about it in this podcast. I'm Eve Sturgis, and this is Everything's Relative. So often, when I think of DNA surprises and the discussions I have with people, I give a lot of credit, I think it's credit is what I want to say, um, to the era in which a person was born. Like, we always look at, like, social and cultural history because it's so important when considering the hows and the whys of an individual story. And so often it's, it's things that have past that we, that are no longer used today or true today we think like oh well a woman couldn't be a single mother back then or in that era the shame would have been too great to choose otherwise or birth control or abortion wasn't even legal um so these these ideas are great because they lend themselves to empathy and understanding of how a person's true identity was kept from them um and I'm bringing it up because I think most of them, I think of them as things from the past. But today, I want to talk about something that is still very much alive today. Uh, it's a method of conception. And very few changes have been made over the years of behind the who's and the what's and the how's. And that is donor conception. Uh, donor conception is another one of those industries that I think no one thinks about or talks about unless you are directly involved. Uh, and for that reason, there's been very little reform, if any. Uh, so because of technology and what I mentioned before, all of these people are discovering that they were donor conceived 
now as adults, they're learning, learning about this thing their parents did. Uh, they're finding siblings all over town and they have their very own specific existential crisis to sort through that I think is different um, than a person who learns they were adopted or like me is an NPE. Erin Jackson discovered she was donor conceived about uh, six years ago, and she has gone on to create a booming and active community called We Are Donor Conceived. I am thrilled to play our conversation for you now. So I'm just going to get to it. Uh, let's have a listen, shall we? Hi, thanks for meeting with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. This should be fun and possibly weird. And Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope so. I hope we can get some I hope we can get some weird stuff in. Where are you? Where are you located? I'm calling from San Diego, California. Oh. I didn't know that. I didn't know we were so close. Yeah. Okay. Oh, how far or maybe I I mean, I'm sorry. I apologize if at some point I suggested that I did know that, but today I did not know that. Um oh that's so cool. Okay. So we're in the same time zone. We're in the relatively same climate. Like <laughs> I understand that. Um, did you grow up there? No, I grew up in suburban Toronto, Ontario, Canada, oh, and yeah. I yeah, and I moved to California about eleven years ago. I actually married my high school internet boyfriend that I met <laughs> in a chat room. Yes, uh, you're the one. Yeah, and uh, and I thought that was going to be like the weirdest story I had to tell about my life until <laughs> about six years ago, and mm -hmm. everything changed. <laughs> everything changed. So before we get to the everything changed, can you just tell me like a little bit more about growing up? Did you have two parents? Did you get along with them? How would you describe your childhood, siblings, all that stuff? Yeah, I grew up in a dead average middle class suburban <laughs> existence with an older sister and two heterosexual parents. I mean, mm -hmm. it was kind of like a nothing to see here kind of situation. That's, that's how mm -hmm. I would describe mm -hmm. it. But, you know, idyllic childhood. And I am really grateful for that now. I'm old enough now to look back at my childhood and, and think, Actually, yeah, that was that was great. I really mm -hmm. have no complaints. I had great parents, and yeah, there's just not a lot there other than um, you know what we're what we're going to get to. Right, right, and yeah, it takes age to age and time to get the perspective of like, oh, maybe boring was good. Yeah, <laughs> maybe learning about what it takes learning about the world to be like, well, um, okay. And you were Canadian, so uh, I presume maple syrup and what else mounties what else is that? maple, maple syrup mm -hmm. uh, tim horton swiss chalet craft dinner the canadians listening will understand all these yeah. things okay great good i've got canadian listeners that's perfect okay and then you had uh and and did you have a um like a career pursuit or like dreams when you were young um so many different things <laughs> I wanted to be a veterinarian at one point. I wanted to be a dolphin trainer at another point. Yes. Um, yeah. I, and then um, I've always been interested in writing. So that's what I actually followed. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of dolphin training opportunities, you know, in the real world. Right. Um, but definitely writing. And um, I got more into web content as the internet became a thing. I kind of grew up with the internet. Uh, I was born in 1980, so that's like right mm -hmm. at the end of Generation X. Yeah, me too. When's your birthday? Um, it's in May. Okay. I'm a little bit older than you. Okay. But otherwise, <laughs> otherwise we are really, clo really close in age. Yeah. Um, 
Okay. Yeah. So I, yeah, I know exactly the, the how and when of technology when you grow up. Did you have a computer room when you were in your family? Actually, yeah, we had a computer huh? in the basement. I remember the the year we got it for Christmas. It mm-hmm. was like it was a huge deal. I mean, looking back, it was <laughs> really not didn't really do much. I had a dot matrix printer, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, um, but yeah, um, definitely, I've definitely been interested in the internet since I learned of its existence. Uh, that's what I wanted for Christmas one year. <laughs> and uh, and it and I really had no idea how much it would impact my life, not just meeting the man I'm married to now, but just in all the other ways with the DNA testing and you know being able to look up information about people. I mean, it really was revolutionary. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, I think probably, yeah, and you have a very unique take on that experience on that experience or like experiencing the evolution and how it affected you personally. Um, so let's, let's get to, to the, the, how it happened. Tell me what was going on for you six years ago. Yeah. So it was like, I can't remember what day of the week it was, which is a, a, you know, a work day. I was having this really normal Skype conversation with my mom and I, I was asking her, you know, why is dad being so cagey he was just like hard to reach hard to get a hold of and I I was just I was just sort of like confused basically about what was going on Uh, my parents had recently separated Mm. and I think to give me context to help me understand why he might be acting differently she told me that he's uh I can't remember what word she used but I think she said you know essentially she said he's not your biological father and I said, I knew it, which, which, huh. was, which was weird because it just kind of came out of my mouth. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a thought that I formed and then confidently said it just sort of flew out of my mouth. And then she said, I know you did. And we just had this really bizarre moment. My, wow. my brain just exploded. I mean, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> it was really strange because it was shocking, but it also made complete sense at the same time, which is a weird headspace to be in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I relate wholly to that description. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. and I knew like I had done lifeguard training when I was a young teenager and I identified, oh, I'm probably in some deep shock right now. So mm. you know, I should probably just pay attention to uh, my heart rate and maybe, you know, put a, put something warm on <laughs> because even though I feel fine and I feel like weirdly calm, I know that this is really big news. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. That's so self-aware of you. Yeah. So goodness, lifeguard I, uh, training. It comes in handy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember, this is funny. I got onto Google chat or whatever, and I messaged my husband and I said, um, we need to go to our fam- our favorite burger place for dinner. It's like, this is, you know, sometimes you, We'll, we'll say that like when things are good, when things are bad, mm-hmm. when things are boring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I need to go to this, you know, this Hodad's in San Diego, just for anyone mm-hmm. <laughs> who's, who's familiar. Um, and I didn't say anything else. And I spent the next, he was coming home in 20 minutes. So mm-hmm. I, spent, I spent that time just like preparing, you know, like getting mm-hmm. a speech ready, getting myself calm. I was walking around, I was practicing what I was going to say because I knew I didn't want to freak him out because as soon as he came in, he would see my face right. and it would give it all away that something was wrong and I didn't want him to worry. 
when you talked with your mom and you were in this shock and, and she said, I knew you knew, and you said, I know, did she then, um, fill in all the gaps of the story and give you all the yeah. details of the hows and whys and who's and what's, or were you just like, okay, we'll talk later. Oh yeah. No, she, okay. So she said, you're essentially, uh, your dad's not your biological father. And I said, after I said, I knew it, I said, mm -hmm. who is my biological father, which I think is the obvious follow-up <laughs> question. And she said, I have no idea. And that just made my mind right. go crazy. I'm <laughs> like, like, I'm like, what is that? What do you mean? Is this some sort of like eyes wide shut orgy situation? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you not know? I mean, I, it never occurred to me that I might be, you know, conceived using uh, donor sperm. Like I, it just, right. that's not a possibility that just ever occurred to me. I don't, I think I didn't think it existed back then. I don't know, but so yeah, she did fill in the details. <laughs> yeah. But for, for a moment there, I was like, what? I have, I have no idea. Like, uh, yeah. Oh, moms. Oh, moms. It was very dramatic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So you knew that. And then what about your siblings? Were they also donor conceived? No, my sister's regular. Okay. She's regular. Okay. Yeah. All right. Regular conceived. Um, okay. And did she tell you, uh, what had led to that decision? Um, I prefer not to get into that. Okay. I, I, uh, I just don't want to talk about, you know, my, I feel like they should, my mom should answer her questions like that and she's not here. So I don't want to speak for her. Yeah, absolutely. That's her. That can be her story. Um, okay. Just, I was just trying to place myself in your mind, what your, what your mind. So you did have some context for the entire, uh, pro process <laughs> process. Okay. So that's okay. So I'm sorry. So I'm back. I'm back with you. Your husband is coming home. You're preparing <laughs> your speech. Yeah. So I'm pacing around getting ready to, you know, calmly deliver this information. And as soon as he comes in, I blurt out, my dad's not my dad. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So we immediately went out and I had a cheeseburger and, <laughs> and I just knew this is going to be a process and it's going to take a while. And I need to just give myself time and space and grace to fall apart or do what I need to do. And that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the other thing that I did that was like immediate after hanging up the phone with my mom was order a 23andMe DNA test. Mm -hmm. This is something that I was interested in just because I feel like it's kind of nerdy and fun to see what a vial of your spit will tell about you. I mean, that's mm -hmm. just really strange and interesting. Um, but in the past, I... I thought I knew everything there was to know. Um, but this, you know, this bomb dropping made me realize, oh, there's actually a lot I don't know about myself. And it's all important stuff like the missing health information and, you know, what's my actual ancestry. And, and I wanted to find answers as quickly as possible. So it was $200 at the time. And I didn't, I didn't blink. I just was like, mm -hmm. I, I will pay whatever amount of money it, it costs. I need mm -hmm. this information immediately. Did you consider like medical history um, immediately? That yeah, seemed, that was the just... first thing. Wow. I mean, uh -huh. Yeah, because I mean, I was like staring down 40 at the time and mm -hmm. just like aware of my impending demise and <laughs> just thinking about my health in, in that way. Um, I did not know that I could find siblings. I didn't mm -hmm. know that I could find the donor. Um, this was before I was in any of the communities for donor conceived people. So it was mm -hmm. nearly like 
what is hiding in my body and what am I? <laughs> right, 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 right. Just like from a personal identity. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The cells, the biology. Um, wow. Okay. So you ordered it. Yep. Ordered it. It came. I spat. Results came back way faster than I was expecting. And, you know, I, <laughs> this story has been told many times, but I, yeah, I opened the results and I saw no, there was nothing in the health section. I was just kind of like boring. <laughs> it's like, maybe this was a waste of money. You know, there's just nothing. <laughs> Back to suburbia. And, and then I, I clicked over to the um, ancestry estimate or whatever. And it said 25% Ashkenazi. And I, this is how dumb I am. I'm like, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I literally Googled it and I went, oh, Jewish. Oh, that's mm-hmm. hilarious. <laughs> it was funny to me because I grew up in a neighborhood that was like predominantly Jewish. So most of the people I went to school with were Jewish. I was like really familiar with the culture. And, and it was one thing that I hadn't considered as a possibility. I was expecting maybe Greek or, you know, Mediterranean of some sort. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that, that was the first surprise. And then I clicked on the DNA relatives tab and I saw the name of a half brother. Wow. Yeah. And again, like I didn't know that was a thing mm-hmm, that happened mm-hmm. was not, I was expecting, you know, fifth cousin. <laughs> just right. 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 Like what everybody says, like, Oh, yeah. it's just a million people from, yeah. From so yeah, far. And so I just, yeah. And I wouldn't have, I would have been like, ah, whatever, who cares? You know, but half mm-hmm. brother, half that's brother a, is that's a little different. Mm-hmm. So he had his full name listed. So I immediately Googled him and Mm -hmm. I found an article that his wife had written about their wedding. So there were like wedding photos and a little story about their marriage and relationship. And I'm staring at his face. Wow. And it was, it was so amazing because he's the first person I've ever seen that looks like me. Mm. And I was just, I mean, I mean, my, my brain blew up. Again, I thought it was was already dust, but now it was like particulate matter at this point. (laughs) (laughs) And I was, and I was just like, okay, all right. This adds a new dimension to this whole thing. Right. And it was in that moment that you realized, oh my gosh, there could be many of us. I don't think I thought about that. (laughs) I still didn't think that. I mean, I feel like the human mind wants to make things easier to digest, you know, like we, we want to assume, Oh, maybe there's just a couple or something like that. But when I, you know, over the years, as more matches have come in and I've seen that there's an eight year age gap between the oldest sibling and the youngest. Now I just assume I have a hundred siblings. Mm-hmm. Why not? When you saw the brother, the half brother, when you were looking into him and and looking at the wedding pictures, were you imagining, oh, he's donor conceived as well? Or were you thinking I, he was a yeah, so- I social? Okay. I didn't know. I, I I remember trying to find photos of his dad <laughs> just <laughs> because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I was really, yeah, I just didn't know. I, I thought I, this is like the moment when you get shocked to a degree like this, you, you become unshockable. And it mm-hmm. feels like anything is possible. Mm-hmm. So that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's how I was operating. Um, it just opened to any possibility. Yeah. That's such a good way to describe it. If you're, when you're in shock, you become unshockable. Yeah. Um, I think so many people in our communities would under, understand or relate to that 
that feeling, that description or that experience. Um, okay. And then, and then where, where, well, where does your story go from there? Where does the story go from there? Um, well, I, you know, initiated communication with uh, this half brother and we started to build a friendship and it was, it was, it's hard to look back at that first year when everything mm -hmm. was going on. Cause it's, it is kind of a blur. There was just, it was so emotions were so high and there were, were so like, there's so much that was going on that when I look back and try to remember exactly what happened in what order, it's just like really fuzzy. But one thing that happened is I became very interested in learning everything I could about donor conception, what was going on when I was created, what's going on now, and how do other people feel about this? Um, so I just went into research mode. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. hunkered down. I, I was reading, you know, academic research papers, watching every documentary I could find and reading newspaper articles and just like, just trying to learn everything and not and trying not to form any opinions or, or ideas until I had all the information I possibly could, because I, I realized I don't know anything about this and I have a lot to learn. So I better get, <laughs> I better get started. Mm -hmm. And um, around this time, people, some donor conceived people in Victoria, Australia had managed to um, retroactively um, stop people from being able to donate sperm anonymously. There's probably a better way to phrase that, but they, they had ended anonymous sperm donation in mm -hmm. one, you know, um, province uh, or state of Australia. And that was really encouraging. I was amazed, like, you know, yes, there is this community of advocates and they're, and they're doing things out there. And, and, um, you know, it was incredibly validating to know that there were other people who found this information important and life-changing and wanted to know their siblings and learn more about themselves. Um, because I don't get, any, we don't get any messages from the culture about, about what it's like. So you're, you're really just operating blind. So when I found that out, I was, I felt really empowered. Yeah. And, and I also felt like, uh, you know, kind of a crushing responsibility to do my part um, hmm. in, in this world. And, having a background in web content creation and writing and journalism. And it just became clear that I should make a website or, you know, try to just try to get some information out there for the next person like me, who's like Googling sperm donor baby. <laughs> like, ugh, I don't even know. Like I didn't know the word donor conceived when I first found out. So I created the We Are Donor Conceived website. And the main thing that was there at first was just all of the research mm -hmm. that I had found. And it's a very long list, the resources page. I mean, there's tons of stuff there. Um, and then I just, and then I, uh, I thought, well, I need some way for people to find this information. So let me start a Facebook group and I can share web content in that group because it is a very niche, you know, area yeah. of interest it's the very... average person isn't going to be looking at this website right well and i think that that speaks to the problem of how there's nothing in the culture about it so you, right. you do every single person feels like they are in a vacuum yeah because there's no there's no reference you like you said you didn't even know the words donor conceived like you don't even know where to start so right yeah yeah but and yet you're everywhere there, yeah. well, there's so many of us we're a legion <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
So I created the Facebook group and there were like 50 people in it at first and there were 200 and now there's like, you know, 3000 or so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. grew very fast. And I thought it was going to be a place where I would just share web content, but it turned into so much more than that. And now it's like this amazing community where people come for support and help with their DNA resolves and just just a place for people to talk about all the weird, wonderful aspects that come along with being donor conceived. Yeah. Awesome. It's such an, it's such a neat resource. Um, and, and it, it also, it seems like it's also it's, it's resources and it's a community for people. And then it's also, you also feature other people's writing about it, like essay, um, sort of essay blog type. Posts. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's, right. There's yeah, there's some personal stories on the website. I just identified as a writer that mm-hmm. that donor conceived people have the most fascinating stories. I mean, who like? I mean, it's hard to explain what it's like to realize you have dozens of siblings that you never mm-hmm. knew existed. Like that's pretty mind blowing. Um, and I wanted to yeah, I wanted to feature other people's voices, so just to increase public awareness of our experience because the the fertility industry narrative is very focused on parents getting the baby they want so much. Mm-hmm. And, and it's almost like that baby is just an object that is the fulfillment of their desire. And that's not reality. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's so much more complicated than that and, and so much more amazing. And like, I feel like our stories are way more interesting than, um, you know, than just someone who wanted a baby and then got one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's such a yeah, yeah. That's such a that's such a uh, a needed paradigm shift. Is that these sort these objects of dream fulfillment are actually sentient beings that have their own experience, um, their own experience, their own life, and have uh, and uh, with a voice. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the most surprising, or or let me ask that a different way. Um, what do you wish people knew about donor conception that? you think like in everyday life people don't know um well i think that people need to know that donor conceived people do not support anonymous donation agreements this is seen to be the normal way of doing things you know like if you need some sperm you go onto a website and you order some and you get it delivered to your house and somehow that's <laughs> normal I don't I find that I find it all very strange but you know when I one of the things I really wanted to do was um, some research into the perspectives of donor conceived people because when I looked at what was out there already a lot of it interviewed parents of small children who didn't even know they were donor conceived and the parents parents were reporting back I'm like I'm not in research but that seems (laughs) not very conclusive it's like skewed data as they say yeah so the parents were like yeah my kid's fine he's well adjusted (laughs) and then the and then the headline became oh yeah they're the donor they're fine they're they're well adjusted it's like that kid didn't is five first of all doesn't even know they're donor conceived didn't know they were part of a study so I found that bizarre Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then and then the a lot of the research that was out there that was better um, didn't ask the questions I wanted to know. Like, how do you feel about the fact that, you know, one of your biological parents is anonymous to you? And um, how do you feel about the fact that 
you have all these siblings that you have no ability to connect with. And so I asked people starting in 2016, I did an annual survey of, of people in the group who are interested in taking the survey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I have a, a really, really voluminous report on wearedonorconceived.com from the 2020 data. And it, and it dives into these subjects that other researchers weren't asking. Like, like I said before about the anonymous donation agreements, I found that 94% of respondents believe all donor conceived people should have the option to know their donor's identity if they choose. Wow. Yeah. And the system is set up right now to deny us from getting that information. A lot of us or some people have to wait till they're 18. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I also, in the 2020 survey, I asked some questions that I hadn't asked before, such as, do you, you know, do you, have you been harmed by not knowing your, mm. you know, biological parent or donor's identity? And 70% of people said they had been harmed. Wow. Uh, which I found surprising. Um, I'm, I'm not surprised it's over 50, but that, that's notable to me. I mean. Yeah, that's, um. I'm trying to find another word for notable. Yeah, like uh but but bigger than that. That that should really raise some alarms. Yeah, I think so. I also asked if people think it's a basic human right to know the identity of both of their biological parents and mm-hmm. 88% agreed. Yeah. And that's what that's what this is for me. Like I feel like this is a human rights issue. Mm-hmm. Donor, you know, um donor conceived people, we don't choose to be created this way. And yet we have to live with all these consequences that I don't think anyone would choose for themselves. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And, um, and so, and, and on that end, um, are you, um, I think this is like, I think this is the one thing I don't know is does we are donor conceived, um, or do you work with legislation or with, um, the other people sort of working to make those big changes or is it more, um, or is it more collection of data for you and, and community? It's more community for mm-hmm. me. I mm-hmm. feel like I'm on an empathy mission mm-hmm. to educate people. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like that's mm-hmm. the first step to changing the law. Law changes happen really slowly. The first step is to open hearts and open minds. And yeah. that's my mission with We Are Donor Conceived. But there mm-hmm. are some other groups that are working on the legislative stuff and they're led by people who have that background. I don't have that background. I'm a food writer. Um, that's a bit of a stretch for me, but I'm good at the communication piece. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm focusing on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I just wasn't sure. I was like, did I see that on there or not? Um, wow. Okay. So for all these resources and community, definitely go to wearedonorconceived.com. Um, but I want to talk about the other part of your of your project, the other, um, and that is your magazine of called We Are Donor Conceived. Um, so I, I ordered it on a whim and, um, I have to say, and I, I think I messaged you about it when it, when it arrived, it's beautiful. Um, I don't, I don't know what I expected. I mean, I just, I didn't have expectations, but if it had come as a pamphlet that I would have been like, okay, great, cool. Or like a stapled, you know, some stapled papers you print. And I think you said like, I'm printing it out. I'm getting it printed now or something like that. So I was like, I don't know this is coming from her home Xerox machine. Um, so I, I mean, I can't, if any, if you, if anybody has any appreciation for printing, for graphic design, for aesthetics, um, and then for writing and journalism, this magazine is awesome. It's so awesome. Um, 
and I just, I love it. Um, and so what, when did you start making a hard copy magazine from the website? Thank you so much. First of all, thank you so much. I put my whole heart into this magazine and, um, the, the first, the front cover of issue number one is basically a self-portrait. It's mm. <laughs> a girl mm -hmm. with her head exploding, mm -hmm. <laughs> basically. Mm -hmm. um, I, this was my pandemic project. I finally had a ton of time to do a creative project. And I mm -hmm. thought, okay, this is it. So I had to teach myself how to make a magazine. I've never done that before. I've worked, I've worked for a magazine, but I've never, you know, opened up in design and created something from scratch and printed something. So, um, yeah, that was, it was my pandemic project. I had, I had two issues come out already and right now I'm working on issue number three. Awesome. Yeah. I can't recommend, um, any to, enough to anybody in the, in, within the community that this is something that you should, you should have, you should just have it in your library, um, as, 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 um, as a token of this time and, of this journey and um it, it's really beautiful and it, and you'll see you know it, like if you're in this community you'll see you'll see some familiar faces and then meet new people and there's always more information to be had and there's all it's always a different experience to read something on paper than it is on the computer i like i can't um suggest like diversifying your your resources um more just your experiences of how you're absorbing things this magazine is so cool um I can't get I can't get enough of it. So I'll be ordering the other ones. Um, awesome. So so if people want to know more about this, the number one resource to go to is we are donor conceived, correct.com. Yeah, that's right. You, okay. Yeah, that that's where that's the main website. So you can find the 2020 survey report, you can order magazines. And you can read personal stories. There's also the resources page that has links to podcasts and newspaper articles and research studies. I mean, you could spend all day there. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you've really created like a hub, like a hub, a hub for this existence. Um, so it's just awesome. Um, in, lieu of, in lieu of an actual building, you've created a place that everybody can come. Yeah. Um, and, and find all sorts of things. It's so great. So great. Um, is there, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wished I had asked you or that you are used to talking about in these interviews? Oh, no. I mean, I thought, I think that was really thorough. I would like to, <laughs> I would like to, um, give a recommendation for something that has nothing to do with my work if possible. Mm -hmm. Please. Yeah. Give it to me. Give it to yes. us. <laughs> so I recently rewatched a documentary called Future People, and oh. it's about a group of siblings from a, a donor from, I believe it's California Cryobank. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I started crying at about 30 seconds into mm -hmm. <laughs> the documentary mm -hmm. and pretty much didn't stop for the whole time. It's just so heartfelt. Um, the producer of this documentary got the most amazing clips from, from the offspring of this donor. And I think he was working on the project for something like nine years. Oh, wow. So you see them grow up, like they're mm -hmm. 13 in the beginning and they're 21 at the end. It's, it really is a beautiful 
capturing of the unique experience of being donor conceived and the power of the sibling bond that we mm. have with each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something that people maybe outside of this community don't understand. I mean, in addition to a parent or parents getting the child they want so much, the practices of sperm banks are separating siblings from each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm. um I never thought of it like that. Yeah, no, I didn't think of it. I'll be honest. I've never thought I've, I've, yeah, yeah. You know, somebody said that to me, and I was like, "Wow, that is brilliant. You're so right." And it's Hmm. to me, it's. I mean, I, I just think that's a huge issue. I mean, the one thing I hear all the time from adult donor conceived people, or like late discovery people like myself, who are deep into their 30s when they found Mm -hmm. this out is that they are aware of all the time they've lost with their siblings and they Mm. wish they grew up together. So these kids in the documentary, Future People, they have the benefit of having grown up together to some, to some degree, you know, Mm -hmm. they are separated Mm -hmm. by geography and, and um, you know, it's, it is still difficult to create relationships with like Mm -hmm. 37 Mm -hmm. siblings, but they do have the advantage of, of growing up together and you can see in the film how much that has positively affected all of their lives. And I, I want that for all donor conceived people. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do that is to reform the industry so that we have the right to access information about our own families. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, Aaron, that brings tears to my eyes. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> it's heavy. Um, excuse it's me, heavy. please, it's please don't, stuff. please don't, please don't evoke emotion yeah. um, during this interview. No. Um, yeah. I mean, I have my own story with, with siblings and, and recently I'll just tell you just this. <laughs> okay. We're just going to talk about me now for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I just connected with a sister, um, through ancestry.com, a half sister. And, um, I'm not donor conceived, but, but I have a complicated story and, um, not complicated within the NPE community. <laughs> Just mean that it's, I don't, we don't need to get into it right now because this is about donor conception, but, but I do relate to connecting with someone you didn't grow up with. And she said, I don't, we both were talking about our, our biological father. And she said, I didn't feel like I had much in common with him except, um, my eyebrows. <laughs> and I burst into tears. I'm probably going to cry talking about it now because that's the only thing that's the, that's the one thing that I recognize immediately mm. looking at a picture of him. Um, it was confirmation. It was a hundred percent confirmation of, of, of this story and this DNA. And, and I thought, and I, I've always wanted to have a sister relationship and, mm. um, and I we're so we're trying to connect and we're working on it, but the mm-hmm. thought, the thought that that experience could be so powerful and is happening all around all over the place or is being taken away from people or they're being prevented from that kind of experience is it's a big deal it's um i don't know if heartbreaking is the word i want but it's heavy um family connection is really important (laughs) yeah you know um yeah and something people don't really talk about, you know, you hear these happy stories of, oh, I met my brother and everything's amazing and we're so alike and da 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 da. But it's like, there's always grief that comes with these reunions. Um, you know, part of it's a, an awareness of the fact that you weren't there for all these milestones mm-hmm. in their life. And, and then there's just this like, I mean, I, 
I have to sit with the knowledge that I will never know all of my siblings. Right. Right. And I, I don't know how many there are, there are, I don't know where they are. Most of them have no reason to expect that I exist, which is really strange, but I feel like, you know, I, I just, I, I just feel like the people who created the system that created me didn't think about what I would need as a human being. And, And I'm trying to change that by, you know, educating the public that we grow up, you know, we're that perfect baby for like one second. And then we start becoming <laughs> our own person. And you are my, a wish fulfillment for and In my case, I started, I started talking young and I was always, you know, really confident in my opinions. And, um, you know, we're not other people's children. We're born whole. We deserve to know mm-hmm. who we are and mm-hmm. we deserve to know our family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, thank you. Hold on. <laughs> uh, um, I can't, I almost can't talk right now. Uh, I cried so much during the first year <laughs> that I found out I would just, I would just be sitting on the couch, just crying, just tears mm-hmm. running down my face. Like not even like regular crying. Right. It was just, it was just like a soul cleansing uh, yeah. shower of tears. And, and half the time it was like happy tears. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm like, I'm like, yeah, it's, it is a really super emotional thing. It's been enough time for me that I don't do, I don't burst out in tears randomly, but I tell people who are new in the community, like you are entitled to five breakdowns, like anytime, (laughs) any place you want to do it in the grocery store, do it. That's yours. You earned mm-hmm. it. You have the get. You have that card. You know, it's totally. like a punch I, card. I have to say, I, I think I'm three. I'm three years in, and this is still. I'm still in my top five. I mean, I still would be in my five breakdown, like breakdowns in, and not. This isn't an inappropriate place, but right. it, it might as well be the grocery store because I'm trying to get through a podcast. Um, I haven't. I haven't done that so much, but um, yeah, you really that something about this really is really moving me. Um, I mean, the don't obviously this it's my it's the personal part that's really moving mm-hmm. me, but but the overall um thought and the concepts and and siblings, um yeah, it's it's the sibling connection can be really powerful and it's something I've always uh wanted. Mm-hmm. Did you grow up as an only child? No, I have siblings. Um, I grew up with siblings, but it's kind of complicated. And so we're mm-hmm. not, we're not very close. Um, mm. So I, I, I had always wished for, for what it seemed like everybody else had. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's on the positive side. Being mm-hmm. donor conceived, right. uh, you know, knowing there are all these people out there, it's like a, it's like an opportunity. It's like forever. Right. Right. You, you know, the, any day there right. can be a new person. <laughs> it is not finite. And there are so many people in our, in my community who waited like a decade before they got anything, before they got a crumb yeah. leading them to a sibling or leading them to their biological parent. You just never know. And that's, that's a mm-hmm. reason to be excited and optimistic, but it's also uh, you know, messes with your head. Right. 
Cause it's like, I, every time I say that, I'm like, I should ch- probably check my results right now. Yeah. Like, do you want to just stop the podcast? And the go time check, of the year, go check, people, are, I don't, yeah. people are t- getting their Christmas present DNA tests. And um, I haven't had a new sibling in, in quite some time. So I don't know if that's mm-hmm. a COVID thing or right. people just don't want to like think about spitting in a tube. <laughs> it's kind of sanitary, but yeah. Yeah. Um, any, any day now, I mean, there, ha- there have to be more. Totally. And actually yeah. the eyebrow thing, I have to say, I had that too. Um, huh. yeah, my, my dude, um, well, I had his smile. I have his eyebrows. If I hadn't plucked mine to hell in the nineties, <laughs> in the nineties, uh, thank you. Late nineties. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I found, um, a photo of him on classmates.com is mm. his grad photo from high mm-hmm. school. And I, at the time I had sort of a similar haircut cause I had short hair and, we, we like, I've never noticed, I never would have thought that me at 35 looks so much like a 19 year old man. Right. Totally. <laughs> like, but like the, it was undeniable. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, people use the word surreal a lot mm-hmm. and that, and that's what it was. You're just like, it looks like you're like looking through a time portal at some alternate, you know, version of yourself in a weird way. You're like, that's, that's where I came from. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those those first photos that you see are are so powerful. And in my case, it was a classmate's photo where he looked pretty dapper, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, "That's cool." Mm-hmm. And then another photo from the seventies with like the the big collar and the way too much hair, and it was it was like really funny. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the second photo I saw, like the glasses right. with the tint in them, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah." It's so funny to. To, to try and get to know someone through through photos because this so much of the evolution you don't you don't get to mm-hmm. know we don't get to know so you have nothing but your imagination to fill in yeah. the gaps that's so cool all right well thanks again um thank you so much for joining me today Erin um yeah I just uh everyone get the magazine everybody go to the website um keep us posted about about things about about where we are donor conceived is going um and and i'll put everything up on my i'll put anything and everything up that you want like on my instagram when i when i put the episode up um so all the resources will be available via me as well um yeah i think that's it great thanks for doing this yeah oh yeah these conversations i know they're really helpful to people who are brand new in the community and also people who are looking to learn and, you know, donor can see people and everyone who's, who's involved in this, this crazy adventure of um, who am I and mm-hmm. where do I go from here? Yeah, absolutely. If you are donor conceived, if you are a part of any element of this world of DNA surprises, um, if you are someone who appreciates hard work, if you like to hold nice things in your hand, if you have eyeballs and like to look at beautiful images, get this magazine that Erin created. I cannot say enough nice things about it. I'm so happy to have it in my reading collection for our kind of people. Um, And if you like none of those things, but relate to the world of donor conception, please go to her radical website, wearedonorconceived.com. Uh, thank you again to Erin. The last time I contacted her was around New Year's and she said she had been making homemade Nutella, which drives me bonkers because I love Nutella 
but also because I just get the feeling that Aaron is very excellent at making wonderful things. And I feel jealous. Okay, this is what I feel jealous of. I feel jealous that she gets to eat homemade Nutella. And I also feel jealous that she has the time to make these wonderful things. Cool life, Aaron, at We Are Donor Conceived. I say all that and then realize, um, actually, if I'm being honest, I do manage to find a little bit of time to work on projects. Uh, and one of them is going to be available soon if it isn't already. And I am so excited. Uh, so I can't wait to talk about it, even though I'm not even sure if this pitch right now is for you to pre-order it or to buy the real thing and get it quickly. Um, but I have been working on it all winter. Uh, it's very near and dear to my heart as an NPE, but also as a therapist, which I don't talk about too much on the podcast, but uh, everyone knows I'm a therapist, I think, by now. Um, and that is that I have created a process journal for us. It's called Who Even Am I Anymore? A process journal for the NPE, LDA, donor conceived and adoption community. And I really, truly believe we have needed this for so badly for so long. I really hope we can get it in as many hands as possible for people embarking on their DNA discovery journey, uh, especially if it was not a journey they signed up for. So if that makes sense to you, go get yourself one. Um, go to my website, everythingsrelativepodcast.com for a link, uh, or you can find it online at all the major booksellers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc., etc. Take some time for yourself. Eat some Nutella. Process your feelings with this journal. I think it's going to be a really good time. And come back next week. I'll be here with Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis. If you have a story to share, reach out. Find me on social media at Everything's Relative Podcast. Shoot me an email, eve at everythingsrelativepodcast.com. And have a lovely week. I'm Eve Sturgis. This is Everything's Relative. And good bye. Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Eve Sturgis and Kaylin Egan and edited by Joy Rumel. Logo designed by Ivy McNally and music is used with permission from Goodbye the Band. Eve is a licensed psychotherapist, but her podcast episodes are not therapy sessions. Hey, it's Mia. Hey, it's Allie. And we host the Rom-Com Review Podcast, P.S. I Love Rom-Com. Each week, we'll have incredible guests come and discuss a new rom-com, grand gestures, meet-cutes, and of course, that elusive chemistry. Mia, what are you doing holding that giant boombox over your head? I'm hoping to win over listeners with this grand gesture. Take us back! Find a new episode every week and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Wow, you're uh, still holding that boombox. Yeah, I've got great upper body strength. Thanks, CrossFit. Yeah.